This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This is Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong. Safe to say leadership isn't easy and it's entirely possible to put obstacles in your own path if you get overwhelmed or if you don't know how to maintain effective leadership over a longer term. With me on the line is Mark J. Silverman, an executive coach, author, speaker, and podcast host who works with CEOs around the world to turn their fast-rising high achievers into effective leaders. And he's here to tell us all about achieving sustainable leadership success. So again, I'm Mark Silverman. Uh, Mostly what I do is I'm Zach and Jake's dad. That's the most important thing I do. Uh, Although they would say that my dogs are more important to to me than them. Uh, But I spend all day, every day, working with uh, people in the C-suite, in the executive suite, helping them learn how to be the leaders they need to be, to have their organizations go where they need to go, but to do that in a way that doesn't burn them out. So I came, I came, I came from the high-tech industry where you know, the currency was being the first to respond to every message. Everything is urgent. Everything is important. Uh, and your family and your, your health take a back seat. And I saw too many of my friends and colleagues uh, taking a nosedive in their 40s and 50s and you know, just not making it out. And I, and I dedicated my life to making sure that people who are striving to be successful, because we, we're all competitive and we're all ambitious, uh, don't kill ourselves to do it. Yeah, 100%. And I think that that is something that, you know, not just leaders and uh, C-suite executives struggle with, but a lot of us, I think, especially over the past couple of years, have really had to, uh, you know, fight those feelings of being helpless and overwhelmed and uh, as if a lot of things are sort of out of our control. Um, So what I would love to do here, uh, first of all, is to address that, you know, when you are in a position when you do feel really overwhelmed uh, in life or as a leader, how do you sort of talk yourself off the edge, essentially? So let, let's let's start with what the actual problem is. Yeah. So you, know, you you mentioned the last couple of years. I'm in the United States, so the you know the so we have our own particular challenges. You guys have your your particular challenges. We all have politics. We all have culture. Mm. We all and then we all had COVID, right? Yes. So. We're all starting out with this thing called high allostatic load. So allostatic load is basically the level of stress you have in your body at any given time. So if you have a low allostatic load, it means you're kind of free, kind of okay, kind of happy, and you have a lot of capacity for someone who's going to, say, cut you off on the street. But if you have a high allostatic load, if your stress level is high, you have very little give for anybody who's crossing you that day, right? So, you're, so you, you know, you know, if you have kids, you know, if you're in a good mood, your kids can be playing and making noise and, you know, getting into trouble and you kind of laugh it off. But when you're not, it's, it's harder to deal with. So as you're getting up in the morning, you watch the news and all of a sudden you're a little tense and then you check Twitter and now you know who to be mad at, right? And, uh, you know, you're, you know, back when COVID was a bigger, a bigger thing, you know, the kids school would be canceled. And next, and your allostatic load is just piling up. Then you get an email from an irate customer. Uh, then, you, you know, now you, you haven't even stepped a foot out the door and you're already full up. So the overwhelm there is, you know, we have to understand that we are all in a little bit of fight or flight all the time now, ever since COVID, ever since the uncertainty, the geopolitical 
landscape around the world, we're all just a little bit on edge. So if we're not taking care of that, everything else, we still have to, we still have to take care of our families. We still have to take care of our bodies. We still have to take care of our businesses, Mm. but in the background, all that's going on. So we have to get perspective on that first. Right. So that I just, I wanted to put that out there because, you know, we're all just not doing great. Yeah. I mean, I actually love that because, you know, it's, the fact that our baseline for our stress level essentially is just higher right now. Um, and I think we've all had those situations where, um, you know, something has set us off and that thing is normally something so small, right? Like that's, uh, you know, when we are already stressed, it's not usually a massive thing that gets you, you know, over that edge. It's normally, you know, an email from your boss or it's like, you know, uh, or a flat tire or something like that where it's like, oh, this is the cherry on top of the stress Sunday that was already my day, right? So um, I think that is really interesting. In that sense, I guess there are two questions there, right? The first of which is, is there a way for us to lower that baseline for our uh, sort of stress levels? And the second of which is, once we're sort of over that point, how do we bring ourselves back? So the first, the first thing is we have to get some sort of perspective. It's either logical or spiritual, whichever, whichever way you gravitate towards. We can go towards stoicism or we can go towards spirituality. I tend to go towards spirituality uh, for myself. But really getting a perspective of who we are, uh, you know, what's really, really important in the world, what can we control in the world. Then we go to play whack-a-mole with all the usual suspects. Are you eating right? Are you exercising? You know, I have a, I have a client, you know, who is a six foot four ex uh, professional athlete, and I was hired to help him with some of his anger issues and that kind of thing. And after a, about a month working with him, I said, you know, I asked him, I said, are you? How often do you go to the gym? And he said, oh, I haven't been in a couple of years. I said, weren't you a professional athlete? He said, oh yeah, I was a professional rugby player. I said, so you're basically a five-year-old who hasn't been let out for recess and you're in a, you know, you're in the C-suite trying to keep your temper going. So I'm not going to coach you again until you've gone to the gym eight times. Mm. When, after you, you know, send me a picture of you in the gym eight times and then we'll have another coaching session. Tell you what, that did more for him than my coaching. Four months later, he dropped a bunch of weight. He's, you know, he's healthier and all that. I could talk until I'm blue in the face, but until he took care of that, mm. that nothing was going to ha- happen, right? So getting perspective with your spiritual program, getting perspective with journaling, with quiet time in the morning. I make sure that every single one of my clients has a contemplation practice, mm. even if it's for three minutes in the morning, just breathing. So then the next, the next piece is, are you filling yourself with all these scary things? Are you spending your time on Twitter watching the news and doing everything you can to make sure your allostatic load is high? If not, how can you let go of some? Because we feel, a lot of us feel like we're irresponsible if we don't watch the news incessantly. Yeah. And the truth is, we can get the news within about 10, 15 minutes a day max. We don't have to be on Twitter all day. So are you lowering that piece? So then the next piece is are you keeping things in perspective? Uh, for me, one of the things I tell you know, I love I love when my clients have new babies, because then I, then they finally understand. When you ask me how I'm doing, I'll tell you I'm awesome. And people will say, Mark, why are you always awesome? I say because I have really really low standards. What do you mean? Uh, if my kids are okay, I'm good. <laughs> like that's my low standards. As long as my kids are okay, I'm okay. 
now there are days when I'm not when I'm not okay. Right now I'm um, dealing with my brother died a couple of weeks ago. Mm, sorry to hear uh, that. And it was quite tragic and quite dramatic. Mm. Uh, so I'm dealing with grief at the same time. I'm dealing with estate and business problems and kind of kind of cleaning up some of that stuff for him. And and you know some I'm a helper. I'm a fixer. So my point of stress is when I can't seem to fix something, right? right? So I will get, I know my triggers. Other people's triggers are not looking good. Other people's triggers are failing someone. Other people's trigger, you know, like, so everybody has a, a, a trigger. So knowing what those triggers are. For me, if I feel like I can't fix something for someone, then I know that's a trigger for me that I'm going to feel bad about myself and I'm going to get angry at people. I'm going to snap at people. So I have to check myself and say, oh, Mark, you're trying to do the impossible. And, you know, can you, can you let go of that? And I know myself enough when I start to snap at people, what's go- I, I wonder what's going on with me. Mm-hmm. Now, the next piece is you asked earlier, how do you talk yourself off the ledge? And we're going through this stuff razor fast. So uh, for your people, for your, for your um, uh, listeners, I put together a web page. So there's a little video on each one of those things we're talking about because most most of the uh, most of my clients won't read my book. They all have ADD <laughs> and won't read my book. So they say, "Mark, can you make little five minute videos for me?" And I'm like, "Yes." So those five minute videos are going to be on this website that'll be uh, markjsilverman.com/game. Uh, so just just for your people, uh, they can also get a free copy of my book there if they want to download the book. But so to talk yourself off the ledge, it's a little bit of stoicism, a little bit of Buddhism, a little bit of self inquiry. And when something triggers you, the first question you should ask, if you're, so if you're triggered, you're scared. If you're furious, you're scared. <laughs> you know, you know it, anger is a secondary emotion to sadness and fear. So if you're really fear, angry at someone, check to see where you're scared, check to see where you're threatened. Uh, so you sit down and say, how am I scaring myself? So how am I scaring myself? One of the, one of the big things I always talk with my clients, they, they say uh, when I do my workshops, uh, the, the Mastering Overwhelm workshop, someone will say payroll. Every two weeks, payroll comes up and I freak out about payroll. And I'm like, okay, what do you, what do you, how are you scaring yourself? And they'll say, I'm not going to make payroll. Uh, okay, what else? How are you scaring yourself if you don't make payroll? Well, I won't pay my people. People are going to quit. Uh, people, then I'm going to go out of business and my people are, my family's going to live under a bridge and everybody's going to know I'm a fraud. And I don't know why everything always comes to we're going to be living under a bridge. So, okay, you're scaring yourself. Now, what do you know? What's true now? What's real? Uh, well, uh, I do have the money in the bank for payroll this, 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 this week. Great. How often have you missed payroll? Well, I've never missed payroll. Great. How long have you been in business? 14 years. You haven't missed payroll in 14 years. So what I'm trying to get them to do is be their best friend, be the person on the other, because this usually happens at three o'clock in the morning. So how do you talk yourself off the ledge at three o'clock in the morning? You be your own best friend. So, okay, great. Now, where would you like to place your attention? Would you like to place on your attention on how you're incompetent and that someday they're going to find out you're a fraud? Or where would you like to place your attention? Well, I'd like to place my attention on actually sales and growing the business. Great. You actually have to physically and deliberately do something different when mine is in the when you you know that that hamster wheel is going mm. because it wants the gravitational pull is towards the monkey mind. It's towards I'm incompetent and someday I'm going to miss payroll. So you actually have to go. I am going to pay attention to sales now and put it over there. Yeah. And now when you do that. 
you, 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 you give your mind something to do. The ancients say that the mind is a drunk monkey stung by a scorpion. Not just a monkey, not just a drunk monkey, a drunk monkey stung by a scorpion. So taming that is impossible. So you got to go take it and go someplace else with it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, through that as well, uh, that whole catastrophizing thing and the way to navigate that is to sort of break it down into the smaller details. And, you know, if you can't fix the overarching problem right now, maybe you can fix a problem within the problem or maybe you can redirect your attention somewhere else. And and, and once you sort of get past that ceiling of, oh, no, everything is going wrong and everything's terrible and you do something that like kind of is like, okay, no, I can do one thing. And then once you get past that, I think that's that's a, a useful stepping stone uh, to getting back off that ledge. We what do- that helps you do, though, what that helps you do is it helps you get into the present because overwhelm is a fear of outside consequences in the future. Overwhelm is, if I don't do this, this is going to happen. So when you break it down to like the smallest common denominator, now you're, what can I address now? What's real now? Mm. And now you can always handle uh, challenges in the present. You can't handle anything in the future. You can't do anything in the future. You can only handle the present. And that that's where your overwhelm subsides. Absolutely. Well, it's time to take a short break for some messages. But after that, I will continue my conversation with Mark J. Silverman, executive coach here on Raise Your Game on BFM 89.9. Backing feminist movements. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You're listening to Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong, and on the line with me today is Mark J. Silverman. He is an executive coach, he's an author, he's a speaker, he's a podcast host, and his whole thing is turning fast rising high achievers into effective leaders. And before the break, we talked about the sense of overwhelm and how to navigate that. And I think something that is very relatable for a lot of listeners out there, especially due to our heightened stress levels, especially over the course of the pandemic for a little bit here. But now what I would love to do here is, you know, let's let's maybe pivot a little bit and talk about another sort of overwhelming situation. <laughs> um, but especially as a new leader, I think that's that's sort of a really daunting situation when you're stepping into mm-hmm. a leadership position for the first time in a more formal way. How do you navigate that? How do you, uh, you know, prepare yourself for success uh, when you don't really know what being like how to be a good leader yet? So the water, the once you get up into into a leadership position, the waters start to get a little choppy <laughs> because you're not only are you trying to lead yourself and trying to figure out how to do your own job, now you have a team to lead. Not only do you have a team to lead, now you have a peer group. You have people who are working with you and you know on your level are working with you. They're also competing with you for attention and for ideas and for that kind of thing. So how do you have that coopetition with people who are supposed to be your team? Because a lot of times they make people make them, you know, new leaders make the mistake that it their team is their team, the people that work for them, and it's them against the rest of the organization, which is very unhealthy for the re- the organization. Your team is actually the people at your level. Now, sometimes it's not healthy, but if it's healthy, you guys are working together uh, to, to you know, further the organization's uh, aims. And then you also have to lead up. 
you also have a boss who you need to manage. So now you're getting it from all sides. So when you, when you, you know, be careful what you ask for when you want a promotion, right? Uh, so the first thing is learning that you got promoted because you were probably really good at what you did. You were probably really, really good at what you did and you got your satisfaction and self-esteem from that. Now you're promoted. Uh-oh, you need a whole new set of skills. Uh, you now need to learn how to do success through others. The more you move up through an organization or the more your organization grows if you're an entrepreneur, the more your job is coaching and the less your job is doing. Mm. That's one of the biggest challenges I have with the people that I work with is to get them to understand that they're actually, you know, cause I, I, they always complain, why is it that people always need me? Or why do I, why do I always have to spend time on these people problems? Because your job is a coach. Once you're a leader, now your job is to have other people do the job effectively, lead them with the vision and the goals that you want them to do, help them deal with the problems that they're dealing with. And that's just your job. So that's that's one of the big attitude adjustments that you need to make once you're once you're uh, promoted. A hundred percent. And I also love uh, that idea that in a way it's easy to you know hit your KPIs when you're you know uh, working sort of for yourself and you have these numbers that you got to hit. And the moment you're in a leadership position, your KPIs are no longer the numbers; they're the people, right? Like that's the right. indicator of whether or not you're doing well. Is are your people doing well? <laughs> not are you know what I mean? And you feel like you have less control over your own destiny because mm. I, I remember when I became a sales manager and, uh, you know, all of a sudden I had people who weren't as good as me, you know, but responsible for my success. Mm. And now I had to learn a whole new skill on how to raise those boats. So how do you let go of that uh, control, I guess, is, is the word I'm looking for. How do you trust uh, in the people around you to be able to get them up to speed or up to par it's trial and error mm. so you know you you know you're supposed to delegate like it's that's that's leadership 101 delegate uh but it's really hard when your butt is on the line to your superiors so generally you start you micromanage you're in the weeds a little bit too much with everybody and you have to start to learn where you can let go you so the first thing is learn who your people are who you can trust. Learn who you can trust with what. And then start giving out a little bit of rope slowly. Most of it is because of you. It's less because of them and it's more because of your own anxiety. And slow and even you and over communicate with your people. Tell them this is this is something I'm, you know, it's it's not you, it's me. That's why I'm in the weeds with you. I am slowly going to step back. Uh, I will help you do, you know, or I will help you do something, then I will look over what you do, then I will ask you to bring it to me and I will give you feedback. The next piece is the feedback accountability loop. Most leaders don't want to do the feedback accountability loop, which is someone brings you some work uh, and then you look at it and uh, you know a, a lot of people will look at the work and then they'll stay up until two o'clock in the morning and fix it so that they can send it up the line. Instead of saying, okay, this is what was great about what you did. This is what's missing or this is what needs to be changed. Go back and work on it and bring it back to me. And you may have to do that three or two or three times before you get the work done exactly the way you want it done. Mm. Two things happen though when you actually take the feedback accountability loop seriously. 
One is you create another leader. You create another person in your organization who takes responsibility and whose work product is up to your standard. And then the second thing is you don't have things on your plate, which is really important. You know, every, every overwhelmed leader I know outworks everybody who works for them. Hmm. I, I do want to ask in that situation that you've provided as well, though, um, I think one really important thing about that is allowing the people that you're entrusting with these delegated tasks the time to make mistakes. No one is going to get things right, you know, off the bat the first time. I, you know, you don't get thrown uh, into a car for the first time and you're like, yep, yeah, I know how to drive. Like that's <laughs> physically impossible. So uh, how do you navigate that when, you know, there are deadlines, there are, you know, all these things that you have to meet. There are other people, let's say, involved in that process that are waiting for like, let's say, a task to be done. And let's say that task keeps getting, you know, oh, there's something you need to change, something you need to improve. And you go through that cycle like two or three times. How do you navigate that without also feeling like, oh, I could just do it myself because it would be faster? No, that's the hard part. You, mm. you, have to, you have to physically restrain yourself. Now, if there's a deadline and you're missing the deadline, then you stay up, you roll your sleeves up, and you work together to get it done properly. Mm. You know, this, this, you know, that's part of coaching is actually working with someone to get them up to speed. You don't just say, go away and come back when you're better. You teach them, right? So you teach them, you teach them to fish instead of, instead of telling them to go figure out what to do with the tackle and the bait. Uh, so, so that's important. The other piece is, Ugh, you got to know where people can make mistakes and where people can't make mistakes. If there's something that, if there's tasks on your team that are either life or death, which most things aren't life or death, but are make or break for, for you know, the, the finances of a deal or something like that, you have to know where you have to look out for yourself mm. because you're ultimately responsible for their work product. So you have to know where you have to uh, be, you know, be extra responsible. Mm, love that. Okay, so I think what I want to do now is to also address the idea, you know, if you've just started, okay, you've got a smaller team, uh, you know, maybe it's like three to five people and then you sort of get into the groove of that and you learn, okay, I got to let things go. I got to delegate. I got to do all this stuff. I, I know what tasks to do. I know how to trust people. Great. But for a lot of <laughs> leaders, the moment that happens and you're comfortable, like your team expands and you have to like redo that whole process and redo the whole process. Um, and I think one thing that people struggle with a lot, especially for, you know, uh, entrepreneurs, people who have their own businesses, um, is as that team expands, as your responsibilities expand, as you get further away from ground level of work, how do you maintain that level uh, of leadership as, you know, things get further and further away from you? So that's where, that's where you have to create other leaders. That's where you have to teach. So, and this, this has happened in several organizations where uh, I work with a, a several organizations for like four or five years now, and they've gone from a dozen people to 120 people and, and watch, watching that meteoric growth. You know, and you turn the, the, the founders and the, the original leadership team into leaders and now they have another layer of leaders or two layers of leaders working down, you know, down the line. Mm. And again, you have, the, you have to accept that your job is to teach the next level of leaders to be the leader you need them to be. Mm. That's your job. They didn't come ripe off the tree as a leader just like you didn't. And they have to learn. My friend Alyssa Cohen, 
who wrote uh, the book From Startup to Grown Up, a uh, great book. She, you know, she says in the book that uh, you know, leadership is not a natural act. It's a very unnatural act. There are very few natural born leaders. It's a learned skill. So send them to training. Coach them yourselves. Get them executive coaches because you'll, it'll, it'll just shorten the runway for you to be able to let go and pay attention to the things you need to pay attention to. Absolutely. Well, that actually brings us to the end of our conversation. And of course, we could talk about this uh, until the cows come home. But I'll just remind our listeners of that page that you mentioned with extra resources if people want to uh, look some of these up that we've talked about today. So uh, it's uh, Mark, the letter J, Silverman.com, Mark J, Silverman.com. And for your people, uh, just uh, backslash game. Uh, and there, there'll be little videos for almost everything we talked about, difficult conversations, talking yourself creating strong agreements, and then a copy of my book will be there for them. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for speaking to me today all about leadership uh, and achieving that sustainably. I have to say, this is one of the, one of the most thorough, best interviews I've had in a while. You, you, uh, you keep your guests on your toes. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear it. Uh, this has been Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong. I've been speaking to Mark J. Silverman, executive coach, author, speaker, and podcast host today. If you've missed any of today's conversation, you want to recap bits that you've missed maybe, of course, we've got our podcasts uploaded onto both our app, which is on the Apple App Store and Google Play, and our website, bfm.my. This is BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.